Welcome to Love, Honor, and Asperger's, a podcast for partners in autistic or narcissistic relationships. Join author April Anderson and her guests as they delve into their personal experiences and offer their insight. With wisdom and wit, this podcast will provide listeners with invaluable guidance, unwavering support, and compelling real-life stories. Ready? Let's dive in. Hello, my Cassandra brothers and sisters, and anyone lucky enough not to be a Cassandra. Today's guest, unfortunately, did have the experience of being a Cassandra, but hopefully people listening to these podcasts can be aware of situations they might be getting into themselves or trying to get out of. We've had really wonderful people talking, you know, so openly and freely about their experiences. So today's guest, I have to say, was nice enough to write a testimonial for my book, Love, Honor, and Asperger's, which this podcast is based on. And her name is Nicole Oliver. So welcome, Nicole. And thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, April. So now I guess we'll just start from the beginning. Sounds good. All righty. And how you got into your Asperger relationship. And I understand that you had a first marriage too. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's sort of a Cinderella story at the end here. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So I met my now ex Aspie a long time ago. We met, God, I had just turned 21. He wasn't quite 21. Wow. I was a waitress at a hotel and he was a guest. He was in town for training for work. And I had waited on him and a number of his, you know, fellow classmates there in town for training, waited on them several times in the restaurant. And then we wound up meeting in the bar that night after I got off work. My roommate that sounds fun. cocktail <laughs> server. Yeah. So we met then and, you know, he lived about four hours away from me. So we really just developed a friendship. And, you know, at the time, like I said, we were in our early 20s. I wanted more. I chased him harder than I had ever chased anyone in my life. But, you know, the whole time he's just, no, I just want to be friends, you know, and I, I finally gave up. Ultimately, I just, you know, gave up and moved on and we continued being friends. You know, we talked on the phone a lot. We occasionally saw each other, but eventually, you know, I moved on and met someone else. Sure. Got married in 2002, had two kids, but he actually came to our wedding as a guest. (gasps) So, you know, we go back a long, long ways, you know, we had maintained that friendship, you know, long distance friendship for years. Mm. And it wasn't until my first husband and I split up that he and I reconnected, I guess. He actually showed up at my door one day unannounced. I hadn't seen him in over five years. Holy mackerel. As it turns out, he drove to my house from Tennessee. Didn't tell me he was coming. Just to see if there was still That might be sort of a clue right there, one of these red flags. (laughs) Yeah, you know, but I often confuse the red flags with grand romantic gestures. Exactly. (laughs) And to me, that was a grand romantic gesture. Who gets in their car and drives nine hours knowing that the person's going to be there at the other end of the trip, right? Right. But that's really how we reconnected a few weeks. Now, about a month or so after that, he came back to town again. And we traveled up to Milwaukee, attended a concert. Unbeknownst to me, while he was in town for the concert, he also had a job interview with the company. 
Okay. And was offered a job that would allow him to move back to Illinois where I am mm-hmm. and then pursue a relationship with me, which was all well and good, but I didn't know about any of that until after he took the job and already made the decision to move back. Wow. So at that point, again, still totally wowed by the grand romantic gesture. He would sell his home and move here to be with me. Should have been a red flag because I didn't really have a choice in the matter. Yeah, you know? I guess not. Said, I'm moving back and we're pursuing a relationship. And okay, mm-hmm. you're moving back and we're going to be in a relationship. Fantastic. Right. So, you know, we reconnected. He proposed a year later. And, and how old were your kids then? Oh my gosh, how old were they then? So that was eight years ago. So 10. And he didn't have children or wasn't married before. No, Mm -hmm. no, he didn't have children. He had never dated anyone with children. So he really didn't have a whole lot of experience being around Mm -hmm. young children. Also should have been a red flag. Right. But, you know, he did try. Okay. On occasion. Well, mine had his own children. I don't think he tried that much half the time. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, sad to say, but when, you know, when I finally told the boys that we were getting a divorce. Right. Like, good. A sigh of relief. Yeah. Which was heartbreaking. Wow. That really is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So we were married for uh, about six and a half years Mm -hmm. before the divorce. And we've been divorced now for about a year and 14 months. Right. So how was that marriage? You want to tell us about all of us poor people that were stuck in it? Now, we were chatting before. Now, this podcast, you know, is called Love, Honor, and Ass Burgers. But I also, in my description, say it's for anyone in a relationship with somebody with narcissistic traits or being a full-blown, like mine was a covert narcissist too. So we had the narcissist and the Asperger, but which would have affected you most or how did you come across that you would suspect either one? Well, I always noticed certain traits in him that made me wonder. He was very, very regimented. Mm -hmm. You know, this is how we do things, period. We don't deviate from that, you know? And if Mm -hmm. we do deviate from that, that's a big problem. Mm. And you know what? It's a problem for me because I'm always been kind of a fly by the seat of my pants kind of girl. Oh boy. You know, so we had two, two very different approaches to life, you know, so getting acclimated to the rules that he had put in place in the house, Oh boy. Um, you know, and making sure that my young children followed those rules, like mm. making sure the toilet seat is all the way closed, both the seat and the lid always has to be down. And if someone leaves that up, oh Lord. So just, you know, certain things, just making sure that we were following all the rules that he had Mm. set forth. Looking back now, definite red flags, but I didn't know at the time, you know, there was enough, enough love bombing going on. Right. It's confusing. Yes. You know, it's just like, you know, he loves me. And surely if he's responding to me, you know, if I, if I left the toilet seat up, you know, that was me failing, you know? Oh, jeez! And, and goodness, I just need to do better, <gasps> you know? And that was, that was most of the marriage, quite frankly. So for our wedding, our pastor gave us a copy of the five love languages book as a gift. And I, I had not read that book before, but within a month of our marriage, of our wedding, 
I remember sitting downstairs on the couch in the living room at midnight, sobbing, trying to understand what happened because this man was not the man that I married. You know, that's that's the shock of it, isn't it? That I'm asking what a shock. Yeah. So I I turned to that book thinking Mm -hmm. maybe it will give me answers. Right. And, you know, then I started to understand the different love languages. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, well, I'm words of affirmation and physical touch. He is clearly acts of service and quality time. So, you know, maybe, maybe I just need to accept his love language and that, you know, that's all I'm going to get. So right. what changes can I make to myself so that he loves me the way that he did before we got married? And I spent six years oh, gee. trying to change who I was to suit him. And in the process, completely lost any sense of who I am, lost most of my friends. Oh, my gosh. That's you know? terrible. Yeah. It's common. It seems common. I, I didn't lose myself. I, I did a, almost lose my health, you know, emotionally. I was so stressed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, it's yeah. so common that people, yeah, you think it's you, you keep, what do I do? What I say? Yeah, clearly I'm not, I'm not doing something right. I'm not doing enough of this or I'm doing right. too much of that. So what else can we try? And, and nothing ever seemed to work. Wow. But he, he wanted to be married to you. Really? Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And he said he did <laughs> yeah. at the same time, you know, because I had actually filed for divorce twice. I filed. Yeah divorce once in 2020 uh-huh. and he was able to convince me to give it another go Jeez. and you know that whole thing should have been a red flag because you know in all the times when he was you know trying to talk me out of it he never once said no please no I love you I can't imagine my life without you or anything like that all it was was I don't want this I don't want this you know, you know was, that's the same with mine he said I I did have him, well, it was back and forth a million times, moving out, coming back. But in the end, he did get his own place. But he always said, I won't instigate this, but I'll do it. And he didn't want, but yeah. And other people have, Cassandra's have said, but they don't plead for your love. They don't say they love you or they, I can't without you. It's just this, I don't want to do it or something. And the thing is, what kind of romance is that? I know. And the thing is, had he said that, I probably would have been like, okay, you're right. I know. It's all we wanted, right? Wow. Yeah, I agreed at the time to give it another chance. And it was over the course of that next year that the Asperger's really started showing okay. itself. And you know, that's when I started talking to my therapist about it. And after she met with him, she's like, there is no way that this is ever going to work. Oh, boy. You know, you're too different. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't. It's not really different. I mean, well, I don't know how well, to say it. We can both look at, we could look at the same object and see two completely different wow. things. That's just how it always was. Yeah. I'm afraid right now that my, I always call my, I call my ex former because my friend said it was, or some people said just saying ex seems so harsh. So say my former husband, so I call my ex former, Yeah, you know, but I really, I don't think he ever accepted why we're, we're not together because he says we just didn't get along. I'm like, we just didn't get along 50 years. It, no, it was a little deeper than that. Sorry. <laughs> right. <You know? laughs> <laughs> After 50 years, we just decided. We, we just didn't get along. Well. I'm like, holy <laughs> mackerel. And my therapist wouldn't, well, she's on fire. You know, I do wonder, I do wonder. And I say in the book, how long does it take? It didn't take you that long. I mean, I was 38 years before I found out. 
how long does it take any of these therapists to figure out what I was saying? Or the two of us together, they couldn't, it just didn't click with them. And when mine figured it out, the gal I talked to, and she's a great gal, really, but she wouldn't talk to him. She wouldn't talk to both of us together. She refused. And she stopped working with all Asperger people because she said it was like talking to the wall, but she wouldn't work with both of us. So we, but we had other therapists do that. But once we found out it was Asperger, I think it was mostly just him going for help. But see, when you add the narcissism to it, you just can't fix a narcissist. They're too damaged. Yeah. And and it's a shame. And I mean, I, knowing his family, I, I understand, you know, through his, maybe how he arrived mm-hmm. in this place. Right. But at the same time, you know, I've always thought that I could just fix things, you know? Well, I did. I tried to fix it for so long. I mean, I, yeah. the perseverance, that was, I just wish I, you know, I guess so upset. I, I kept thinking it, we could, and even he thought when he found out what, well, he knew there's something wrong with him. And even he thought, or different, he called, and he just knew he was different, but he didn't think it'd affect anybody else. Blah, yeah. blah, blah. But I just thought we could fix this. Mm-hmm. Why yeah, could we just, fix it? Once I had the Asperger's realization, mm-hmm. and I actually, I mean, I presented him with literature. Oh, wow. I'm yeah. like, look, these are common traits of a narcissist. Uh-huh. These are common traits of someone with Asperger's. Look. And he's like, I mean, he looked, he's like, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh huh. And so I'm like, okay, so maybe if he recognizes that maybe this is the issue and maybe through counseling, through coaching, through mm-hmm. something along those lines, he could find a way to be the partner that I needed him to be because, you know, I was the only one making concessions here. And so, I mean, that's what I'd really hoped, you know, and, he went to a therapist a couple times and then just stopped going. Mm-hmm. You know? He did. Some of them won't go at all, but he did go. But Bruce yeah. go. my opinion is that when we go to different therapists or different types of sessions or hypnosis, or whatever he did, I think he just went because he likes the supply. He likes the attention. Oh, I think he liked the attention. I would walk out. And if we went together, I would be so... They would just run around in my brain forever. I didn't say the right thing. I didn't do. And he would just be so happy. I think he just liked the attention. You know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. Because are. in his, you know, the, the supply for the narcissist, he would just go and be, oh, that was lovely. And I'm like, oh, I was reeling for days and it just it didn't come across. My feelings didn't really come across. One time a, a woman on the forum said, it's years ago, I read this. She said when she went to therapy with her husband, she felt like her heart was pulled out of her chest and thrown on the floor. And it seemed kind of, you know, gross or something image or pretty dramatic, but you did feel like you're getting torn apart sometimes with these things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, we were never going to have any productive couples counseling. That was certainly not going to work. And after my therapist met him, she's like, yeah, I'm not doing counseling for this. Mm-hmm. No. So she referred us to someone else. And actually, I think he had like three or four sessions with that counselor. And then the counselor asked to speak to me. Like, well, that's good because they didn't do that with me. I always, I would talk to myself when they think one of them, sometimes she's, when they did couples counseling, what if they think that somebody needed more help than the other? Mm-hmm. And it never got that far. And I'm like, don't you see? Yeah. It's him, you know. Yeah. And well, the issue, but that the was therapist, good for you. So what happened with that? Yeah. Well, the therapist just couldn't seem to get him to open up and tell him anything. Right. You know, all that he really knew was that he was there because I said he needed it. Oh. And that's, you know, so I think mm-hmm. he was just relying on the therapist to pull information out of him. 
Right. And so I just said, and this was before the Asperger's really started showing itself. Right. You know, I just told the therapist, I'm like, everything that I see from him just screams narcissist. You know, he lacks the ability to show empathy. He's cold. He's cruel. <gasps> but he's not like that all the time. You know, I see glimmers of goodness. And I don't understand why he can be good guy one day and then monster for the next two but weeks. But does anybody know that answer? I don't. I mean, seriously. I certainly don't. That is the part that keeps you going, that is that every once in a while, they're okay. That's the only If they never did that, we would never made it as long as we did. Exactly. I mentioned that I have two boys Mm -hmm. from my first marriage. So the way that our custody arrangement worked out, we each had the kids 50% of the time. So the boys were with me every other weekend, you know, a couple days during the week. And it was like, we lived two different lives together. One life when my kids weren't there. And then Mm -hmm. another life when the kids were there, you know, on the weekends that I didn't have the kids, he was interested. He was engaged. He was, he had a different tone of voice, like a softer, I could tell when it's real. Yeah. But then when the kids were there, it was back to stoic, unfeeling, just cold. Oh, your poor kids. Yeah. Yeah. And so they, you know, they would be so confused because, you know, one weekend they'd be there and he'd be out playing catch with them in the yard, having all sorts of fun. And then, you know, they come back two days later and he doesn't even speak to them. Doesn't even say hello. Oh my gosh. So, I mean, how can young kids be expected to navigate that? They can't. And I just, you know, I've, I've so many regrets over all of that, but my biggest Mm. regret is that I put my kids in that situation Mm -hmm. and made them stay in that situation as long as I did. I wish. Yeah. I wish that they never would have been exposed to that. How are they, how are they doing about it now? Oh, they're great. They're, they're great. fine. And, and they, I mean, they made it through. They did. And it wasn't yeah. all bad. I mean, you know, it wasn't all bad. There are certain things that my boys and I are able to do now that right. we never would have been able to do if not for his presence in our lives. Mm-hmm. So in some respects, I'm thankful, I mm. guess. But I'm more thankful that it's over, that he's gone, and that I'm never going to have to see him again. Wow. I wonder how many of us that are divorced or separated, just what they called it, going no contact. You know, that no contact. I even tried that when he was, it was impossible. (laughs) We couldn't go. We live in this little town. We had all these things. But I just, I guess a lot of people, they say it's just the best thing, you know, just done. And I know that the more I heal from just having him not here and all, I'm just so much, I feel so much better. I mean, not only emotionally, just physically. Yes. So the thing that's so terrible is that we are under this stress that we just suppress or, you know, it's terrible for us to be under that stress. Can you imagine when you, how upset you were when you're, he would be the way he was with your kids? And Oh, yeah. And anxiety is something that I've always struggled with my whole life, though mm-hmm. I really haven't been able to identify it or give it a name until these past mm-hmm. couple of years. And I didn't realize just how much he contributed to my anxiety, just his presence, you know, because it just, he would enter a room, my anxiety would go up and it goes Mm -hmm. back, you know, the whole walking on eggshells Mm -hmm. thing. I'm sure that you felt that throughout your marriage, just feeling Mm -hmm. like you're walking on eggshells. That's how I felt. Yeah, You never know. You never know when you're going to date. That's the thing. I think that's so kind of scary or that causes so much anxiety because you just don't know when the pot's going to tip or he's going to flip. What version am I getting today? 
Am I getting the nice one or the not so nice one? Yeah, Who's who are you going to get that work? minute? And I often wonder, now this is the thing that we, my friends and I have gotten to know through this whole Asperger thing. We often wonder, can they control it? And the crazy thing with mine is that when we were with his parents, who didn't live in the same town, and we go visit, he would just be terrible to me. And I would always say, ex-former, that your parents are going to wonder why you ever married me. You know, they're going to, when you were, he'd be rude. And I think they're going to just one. And I don't know if the mom felt it or what, if it made her upset or anything, but he would just be just non-communicative or snap at things. But the crazy thing is my parents who lived in the town, you know, that we lived and that we saw all the time. And he loved my dad. They golfed, did all these things together. He never verbally abused me. I mean, he was sort of like dull or, you know, boring or wasn't hugging me or kissing me or whatever things people might do, but he was never nasty. And my parents loved me and I had a great childhood. And I thought he either was afraid to do that, you know, around my parents or he somehow just didn't feel it. And I, he maybe could never tell you himself really, you know, or just something wasn't triggered in him, but he, I could never figure that out. Now, to be really rude to me around his parents, it's not rude is not even a normal, that's too normal of a word for what we're going mm-hmm. through. And then never around my parents did he, was he like that? It was nuts. Yeah, see, it was kind of the opposite with us. When we were around his people, mm-hmm. he and his family, his coworkers, whoever, mm-hmm. he was the most, you know, doting, proud husband. Wow. Well, he would be that in front of social people. That's why they thought he was wonderful. When he was around my people, my Mm. family, when he was around people that loved me, he went out of his way to, you know, insult me, kind of cut me down, point out my shortcomings, you know, because look at all these people that love me. Yeah, but she's not perfect. She does this, 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 this. Oh, my word. And, you know, once I told my family that we were getting a divorce, they're like, Oh, thank God. You know, we never liked the way that he talked to you. I'm like, you could have said something. Yeah, you could have helped. You know, my parents are gone. I go to their grave and I go, guess what? And I knew my mother, she knew something was funny. She would have been, you know, but my dad, they got along so well. But yeah, so I hear that a lot that people, but with my people here in this little town where he was a small town lawyer and they all love him. I always said, if I divorce him, I am going to have to leave because they will never believe me. And now it's he's retired and we're old and time has passed. But I run into people and I sometimes I just can't most everyone I had to break it to. But some people I just can't do it. And they just think he was so wonderful and we were such a wonderful couple. So he did play the role. I don't know if he actually knew he was playing that role. That's you never know. But he played the role of a nice person around everybody else. But then when he was home, as they say in these you know, we watch these videos about narcissism and so forth, the behind closed doors. Oh, yes. That's when he would pick at me and, and you know, just say things that were so unreasonable. Oh, and then the Asperger thing, that, well, there's a whole bunch of that, like the toilet seats and, you know, the goofy stuff that was just straight yes. crazy. But I think I could have lived with some of that really oddball eccentric stuff if they didn't go in for that mean Yeah. You know, the word salads and the verbal abuse and the blaming. I mean, if I would say something like, you know, gee, you seem tired or grouchy or whatever. He'd say, well, you did it first. Mm -hmm. It was always I did it first. Of course. Yeah. All that blaming. and. Mm -hmm. So I tried to, to, and now you said you filed for divorce. I tried to have him go. I can't remember. 
how many times and he would write me notes and he'd love bomb and, you know, it getting divorced and all we're in this little town, my family it was just so difficult. And I think, well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's not, you know, I shouldn't do it and all that kind of stuff. But so you filed, you tried it once and then how long was it before you tried it again or you did do it, right? Yeah. Almost a year to the day. Actually, really? it, was, it was almost a year. Yeah. He had a job opportunity surface out of the blue. Uh-huh. It would require a move out to the East Coast. I was not moving to the East Coast. I have kids, <laughs> responsibilities, and a home and everything else, you know? And he was actually thinking that he would take the job and we would just have a long distance oh, marriage. And he saw no no issue with that. That would be just fine, you know? You know, I was thinking as, well, you travel for your job. You know, so you know what? We'll just have to, you know, make plans to spend a weekend together here and there. I'm like, and he didn't understand why I didn't have an issue with that. And just seeing the way that he was approaching all of this, I'm like, something doesn't add up, something doesn't compute. And that's where I really started seeing the Asperger's. He was just oblivious. You know, he didn't understand how this Mm -hmm. impacted me. And I saw that job opportunity as a perfect time. Like, good, freedom. take it. Freedom. Yes, yes, Yes. (laughs) exactly. You know, so I was, I helped him prepare for the interview, get all the paperwork that he needed to provide them for the background check. I'm like, just do it, take it, you know? Then he decided not to take the job. I'm like, are you kidding me? Oh my gosh. And I'm like, well, (laughs) what's done is done. I can't do this anymore. And so just started. So he said he would do it like my husband did. And so he cooperated basically. And yeah, yeah, he did. And yeah, once I, the hardest part for me was finding out how to tell him and in Mm -hmm. a way that he was going to understand because Mm -hmm. like every other conversation I ever had with them, I approach it, you know, this is how you make me feel. And don't you understand, you know, that Mm -hmm. doing that makes me feel this way and that's not good, but he has no way to comprehend Right. Or even care how something makes someone else feel, because if it doesn't make him feel that way, then it doesn't really matter. So I needed to find a way to explain to him why, free of emotion. And so I, I wrote him a very brief letter. Oh, boy. And I emailed him at work and said, hey, no, I texted him. I'm like, hey, I sent you an email at work in case you're gone already. There's a copy on your desk. And so... I was gone that night. So I came home and he was starting to move stuff out. Wow. And, you know, we had a few conversations after that, that usually just resulted in us screaming at each other, which definitely weirded him out because I mean, through the course of our whole marriage, I was the doormat, you know, whatever you say, fine, fine. I never talked back. I never defended myself. And yeah, but I finally found my voice. Thank yeah, God. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we'd be shouting. He's like, you know, this isn't you. I don't understand where <gasps> this is coming from. This isn't you. I'm like, Kyle, you don't know me. You know, yes, no. this is me. <laughs> this is me finally. This is a real level. Congratulations. That's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, it felt really good. But like I said, he moved out of our house that summer after I had left for a business trip. He had gotten the rest of his stuff out and when I got back from that trip, he was gone and I haven't seen him since. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's had... good to have a break like that rather than yeah. dribble. Like with me, it's just little dribbles and drabs and you don't know, you know, you, you go back and forth. But 50 years is a long time for me. Can you imagine, Nicole? 50 oh, years? oh. 
Uh-oh, people can't see, you know, we're doing an audio, but I wish you could see her body language. <laughs> yeah, it, I laugh. It's, no. Uh, but I guess we didn't have all those, you know, it couldn't, it had to be sometimes when he, it was our, not, you know, worked, but, and we, I didn't yeah. have the child, you know, it was his kids and stuff, but still, it was way, way, way too long. Uh, we didn't have kids together. Yeah. So it's an easier way to make a break, you know, exactly. none of our finances were together. Everything was kept separately. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in that respect, it really made it easy. Mm-hmm. And well, so tell us, so he's been gone two years, was it? Yeah, yeah, two years. And yeah. what has happened in that time? Oh, gosh, well, lots of things. I had to figure out who I was as a 46-year-old mother now, you know, had to go back and figure out what do I enjoy? What don't I enjoy? Because right. the past, you know, for the nine years that we were together, I only did the things that he wanted to do that he enjoyed. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of time rediscovering myself, which has been great and scary, sure. reconnected with, you know, people in my life that I had lost touch with just because I was, you know, yeah. wrapped in you that. Support. You had a lot of support when that was helpful. Yeah, so it was nice to be able to reconnect with friends that I had lost touch with. And one of those people actually was my first husband, Rob, who married to for 10 years, the father of my two boys. You know, our divorce was very different than this divorce, wherein we actually, you know, we were friends. Uh We maintained a friendship. We knew that we were raising kids together. We were going to be part of one another's life forever. So we can either, you know, make a choice to maintain a friendship and get along and parent mm-hmm. together, or we can, you know, fight and hate each other and make things difficult for our kids. We never wanted to do that. So right. we developed a friendship. And over the past couple of years, that friendship, it really started to evolve. Alcohol was a big issue during our first marriage. Now that that's not part of the equation. That's great. We've really gotten to know each other at a completely different level. And, and so, yeah, so we made the decision last summer to try it again before we told our kids anything. We wanted to make sure that it was going to work. And so, you know, we dated secretly, hid it from our kids. Oh my gosh. And then when we finally told them that we were getting back together, our oldest son says, well, good job. You surprised no one. So apparently the kids, everybody saw it coming, but us, we didn't. Isn't that something? Yeah. And, you know, just after you know, nine years with someone neurodiverse. Yeah. You know, it it's makes like, me- oh my gosh, so different. I, I would love to have that experience. It is. Around a normal kind of person like that. Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, life has taken many, many odd twists and turns. And never did I think that it was going to be back here, you know, with all under one roof with Rob and our children, but things couldn't be better. And I definitely credit my last relationship. Right. Well, kind of, I don't know. It's sort of a life's journey. I don't, that, yeah. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. If you didn't have the second marriage, you probably wouldn't have maybe had such a experience of, you know, a full, happy remarriage. I really believe that. Yeah. Not that I would wish this life on yeah. anyone. Bad things that turn out good or whatever yeah. you can say. Everything happens for a reason. Seems Not like everyone it. is meant to be in our lives forever. Right. I walked away. You know, hey, I, I know how to ski now. That's not something that 
I ever would have done before. You know, that was one thing that he I did. I love skiing. And oh. my boys had to do is ski because it was something that he really enjoyed doing as well. Wow. So, so now that's something that I can share with my kids. Yeah. That's and great. I love that. You know, that is so cool. So, so you still, so you're all still in the same house. Mm-hmm. You came into in there. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. So I bought this house in 2018. Mm-hmm. And so it was my house. So when he left, he just, he just right, left. Right, right, and, right. So what do you have anything you would say to people that are either thinking of getting into relationship and they think, well, it'll probably work out. Or is there anything you would like to just tell people that are listening to this and how to help them? Any advice? Listen to your gut. Mm-hmm. Had I listened to my gut, we never would have gotten married. Wow. I knew before the ring went on the finger that things weren't right, but I just couldn't pinpoint it. You know, So one, trust your gut. Two, know that you are not alone. Mm-hmm. As unique as that situation might be to you, maybe if you don't know anybody else that's experienced anything like this, there's a lot of us out there. Mm-hmm. And... We're easy to find thanks to, you know, message boards and online support groups and things like that. Right. You're never alone in this, even if it feels like you are. Right. And life can be better. Life absolutely can be better. I think you're a testament to that, April. You are living your very best life in your mid-70s. And that inspires hope. Yeah, I know. I know. It's, it is. That's why I keep people keep telling me that it is just an amazing thing to all of a sudden be free from it all. And, you know, I, with my, you kind of wish it was sooner, but you know, I was 38 years married before I knew he had, it was somebody actually said, this is what's wrong. And so I think if I could have taken known that sooner, but so, but you didn't, when did you actually, before we wrap this up in just a minute, when did you actually, how long were you married for? You really knew that there was a autistic and narcissistic component to this. Look, if I'm being perfectly honest, the night of my bachelorette party. Oh my gosh. His sister and I had a conversation about oh, it. Geez. And so I actually got home that night oh. and I found an online quiz that you can take <gasps> yeah, yeah. on the spectrum. And so I went through all the questions oh, that geez. I answered them as if I was him. So how would he answer these questions? I've done that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that was before we even got married, Oh, gee. you know, but again, the eternal optimist and I can fix it. Yep. There's no fixing it. You can only learn to accept it, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, maybe there are other things in the marriage that are good enough that it yeah. cancels out the lack of empathy, the lack of compassion, but for me, I felt like I was starving and yeah, I was you're starving dying. emotionally. There, I do know, I do know of a couple of people that I've talked to that, that there's enough there, even though the person is, you know, eccentric or, you know, not very have social skills and all, they're still sort of there emotionally a little bit and kind. And people have been married, you know, for a long time that can make it through. But there's so much, I don't know, there's so much involved in all that. It has to be. I think not the norm. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. Well, thank you for having me, April. All righty. Well, you take good care and wish you all the best in everything. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please review, subscribe, and tell a friend. 
My website is www.aprilanderson.net. Remember to trust yourself, be strong, and don't let them get you.